This morning we have the privilege of carrying on with our Advent series. And uh, so I want to kick off with something that Lisa mentioned last week, which I thought was really, really powerful. Lisa spoke last week. This week we're speaking about peace. And last week Lisa mentioned the culture of the Romans and how they were a culture that tried to conquer the world through their military strength and through their might. And I think most of us would agree that when we think of the Roman culture and the Roman Empire, we probably don't think of them as a peaceful culture. Well, at least I don't. If you're going to have thousands of fans filling the Colosseum and cheering on as gladiators fight each other to the death, it's uh, probably not a peaceful culture. And then she went on to say something. She said, the Greeks, however, their attempt to conquer the world was through their intellect. And she made the point that we live in a culture that is hungry for knowledge and intellect. We live much more in a Greek philosophy, Greek worldview, than we do in the Roman sort of worldview. And so we have people all over the world today who are searching for the latest piece of information. If people looking on YouTube to find their gurus or listening to the latest podcast or reading some book to find the latest piece of information, something that interests them, something that feeds that desire inside of them. It may be some self-help book, piece of information. It may be some latest technology, AI thing that's out there. It may even be the latest sports results and sports statistics and whatever it is that feeds that I need to know feeling that we have. And while perhaps none of those things are bad in and of themselves, I want to suggest this morning that it does reflect on our culture as a culture that desires information. It desires to know. It has a Greek worldview. And yet for all of our culture's desire for knowledge and desire for intelligence, the world has a really, really poor understanding of what peace is. If you look at the dictionary, the dictionary will describe peace as the absence of war. Webster's dictionary says it's the absence of civil disturbance, and the Oxford dictionary says it's freedom from external disturbance. And I find those definitions interesting because of two reasons. One is they're describing something by what it is not, and the next is that they're describing peace as an external I would suggest that describing something by what it is not is a really poor attempt to describe what it is. Imagine for a moment you had never seen a lion. And I had to try and describe a lion to you by saying, a lion is not a bear. It does not have brown fur. It does not hibernate. And it does not catch fish in the river. I would suggest you still do not know what a lion is. So if we live in a culture that is so desiring of intelligence and, and information, why is the world not able to describe what peace is? Because the world doesn't know peace. The world does know the absence of peace. And hence, it attempts to describe peace as the absence of.
The world is searching for peace everywhere. But the peace of God can't be bought. It can't be discovered by taking some self-help course or reading some self-help guru's guide. The world does not know the peace of God. The world cannot have it. Kira and I recently had an interesting experience. We were gifted two tickets to a restaurant in Kitsilano, which was really interesting. We arrived outside the restaurant, and literally while we're still on the sidewalk, they gave us the menus, and they asked us to order then and there, before we went inside. Because the restaurant is pitch black. It's not like when you go inside, it takes your eyes a while to adjust. We were inside for two and a half hours, and for two and a half hours, we would not see our hands in front of our faces. It is pitch black. So you have to order outside to read the menu. And they open the doors and the waiter comes. The waiters in this restaurant are blind. Amazing experience. And you literally form a chain, hands on shoulders with your waiter, and he leads you to your table. And you feel where the table is, you feel your chair, and you have a seat. And that was the last thing I saw until we left the restaurant two and a half hours later. I remember once, Kara needed the washroom. I was like, well, I don't know where the washroom is, and if I did, I couldn't tell you how to get there. Because <laughs> there's other people, there's multiple tables. I can hear other tables having a good time. But I don't know who they are, I can't see them. I quickly realized that the name of our waiter was very important. I was like, most restaurants, if I'm honest, when I go to them, I recognize my waiter as he or she comes past. But I don't, I'm not so good at remembering their names all the time. That restaurant, I needed to know the name of my waiter. We called him, and he came over, and he led Kira to the washroom. And Kira was finished. She called him, and he came back, and he led her back to the table. And I feel like the world, when it comes to peace, is totally lost in the dark. They don't know the name of who to call on to come and lead them. We live in a world that is currently, Nick alluded to this already this morning, we live in a world that is currently has the highest rates in its history of suicide, the highest rates ever of addiction, the highest rates ever of depression and mental health issues. We live in a world that is totally lost in the dark when it comes to peace. And they don't know who to call. However, sometimes as Christians, we're also searching for peace. If you asked a Christian like me who does not speak any Hebrew, if they know one Hebrew word, they probably know the word shalom peace. The Apostle Paul opens almost all of his letters to us in the New Testament with the words grace and peace to you as Christians, to me as believers. There's this incredible passage in Luke chapter 2. We know the story well where the angel comes to the shepherds and he tells them that the Messiah has been born. And we know the response of the shepherds is that immediately they leave and go and find the Messiah. But this verse, chapter 13, is between the angel speaking and the shepherds going in search of the Messiah. It says this, it says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, 
glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Isn't that amazing? If his favor rests on us, we can have peace as believers. Oh Lord, give us your favor. Give us your peace. A few thousand years ago, the prophet Isaiah was prophesying, foretelling about the coming of the Prince of Peace. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Numbers chapter 6, such a well-known scripture. It's the Lord teaching Moses how to bless the Israelites. Wow. The Lord teaching Moses how to bless the people. And I'm not going to unpack the whole blessing because there's many lines. And, but in the blessing, there's only one thing that the Lord says, I will give you. It's only one thing we are given in the blessing. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. I know that many people in the world see Christmas carols as nursery rhymes, just nice little rhythms that have no real meaning. But actually, there's so much truth in so many Christmas carols. Silent Nights has the lyrics, Sleep in heavenly peace. King David put it this way in Psalm 4. He said, In peace I lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. How many people do we know in our culture who struggle with sleep? Struggle with sleep. And yet many of those people know the nursery, not the nursery rhyme, listen to me, the Christmas carol, sleep in heavenly peace. They sing it, but it has no meaning, has no reality. Nick challenged us this morning. Even some of the songs we sang this morning. The theology in them is amazing. But let us not be a people that just sing those songs with no reality, with no meaning. The peace of God assists us to hear the Father. Matthew chapter 3, Jesus gets baptized. And it says this, it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and alighting on him. A voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. I find it so interesting that of all the pictures the Holy Spirit could have chosen to represent himself, he chose a dove. And doves of birds of peace. I pictured someone sitting on the beach in summer about to enjoy their French fries and they grab a French fry out of their packet and as they're about to enjoy the first taste, if it's nice and ketchup-y, and a bird swoops down and rips the French fry from their fingers and off goes the bird. 
and all their friends laugh. That bird could be a seagull, could be something, but that bird will not be a dove. Because doves are birds of peace. It may be a pigeon, but it ain't going to be a dove. If you go anywhere where there's busyness and hustle and bustle and commotion, you will find birds, but you won't find doves there. Doves will be sitting high up in the trees, the top of the buildings, removed from that commotion, that busyness, that hustle and bustle. They're birds of peace. And so immediately that Jesus gets baptized, the Holy Spirit chooses the symbol of a bird of peace to come and land on Jesus. And then the Father speaks. And I believe when we have the peace of God, it becomes easier for us to hear what the Father is saying to us, over us, and through us. And I believe that the enemy knows that if he can disrupt our peace, it becomes more difficult for us to hear what the Father is saying to us, over us, and through us. Philippians 4, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus? The peace of God. We live in a culture, in a society, in a world that has very unguarded hearts and minds. Their hearts and minds are troubled. And it's the peace that guards our hearts and minds. The next one is that the peace of God helps us to see or to change our perspective. I believe the peace of God reminds us that here on earth we are merely campers. We're camping. This is just our temporary home. We weren't destined for earth. We're destined as believers for heaven. And when I view something as temporary, my perspective on it changes. I enjoy in the summer going camping with my family. And I've had the same tent for two years now. And you know what? My tent has a leak. And well, well, it's just my tent. Every time I go camping and it rains, a little bit of water comes in. But if my house has a leak, I attend to it immediately. When I go camping, the air mattress that I sleep on deflates every night is not as comfortable as the bed in my house, but it's temporary. I have to wake up in the middle of the night, find the flashlight, walk in the dark, and try not trip over the tree root to go to the washroom. But it's temporary. I don't have a fridge in my tent, but it's temporary. My perspective on things that are temporary and things that are eternal changes when we have the peace of God. My tent nearly looks like that. <laughs> this last summer, my bonfire didn't look like that because we couldn't make bonfires. John chapter 14, Jesus speaking, and he says, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Wow. How many people in this world are walking around with troubled hearts, and fear. And Jesus says, my peace I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do 
do not be afraid. In Daniel chapter 3 with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's an incredible scripture of three men. I'm sure many of us know it well. Who are summoned by the most powerful man on the planet, King Nebuchadnezzar. He knows them by name and he summons them because he is going to kill them by burning them to death in a furnace because he hates them that much. Now I want to suggest if the most powerful man in the world knows your name and he summons you to kill you, your external circumstances are very troubled. And yet their response shows us that their heart is not troubled. They don't respond in arrogance. They don't respond in sort of passive aggression. This is their response in Daniel chapter 3. They say, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Wow. What is it about these three guys? What have they got? They can speak to King Nebuchadnezzar like that. Wow. There's peace. We sang a song this morning that said, Through it all, my eyes are on you, Lord. Through the furnace, through all these things, my eyes are on you, Lord. The Bible defines peace as freedom from those external circumstances. I want to say biblical peace is not freedom from those troubled external circumstances. In fact, the Bible says in this life we will have many troubles. It doesn't promise us removal from our troubles. It promises us peace through our troubles. The apostolic team that this church partners with has many men on it. And one of the men on it is a man by the name of Henny Cater. And he's been a a minister for many, many years, mostly in Africa. And uh, he had a really unfortunate story where he felt the Lord calling him to go and minister and preach the gospel in the northern part of Mozambique. So Mozambique's a really long country. It's days worth of driving to get there. But unfortunately, part of the territory he had to drive through was held by terrorists. And on, on his drive, he got captured by the terrorists and held hostage. And after a period of time, the terrorists decided that him, along with some other people that they had taken hostage, they were going to execute them by firing squad. And so their hands get tied behind their backs. They get led out in front of a wall. And the firing squad, the, the terrorist soldiers, are there lined up with their weapons, ready to shoot. And the commanding officer of the terrorists is there, ready to give his order. And uh, many people in the firing squad lineup are crying and weeping. Some are on the floor. Some are pleading for mercy. But Henny starts laughing. And it's not a nervous laughter. It's not a laughter of, I don't know what else to do. It's a deep belly laughter. And the closer they get to the order of ready, aim, fire, the more Henny begins to laugh. And the commanding officer of the terrorists is confused by this, is upset by this, and is offended. So he orders his terrorists to lower their weapons, and he walks right up to Henny. And he says, boy, what is so funny? Boy, what is so funny? And Henny, this 50-year-old man of God, 
his response is, you think you are harming me, but actually you're sending me home. I cannot wait to go home. In spite of the troubles, his heart was at peace. And needless to say, the commanding officer was flummoxed. And Henny begins to explain what this means to the commanding officer. And eventually the commanding officer unties Henny's hands so that Henny can lay his hands on him as he receives the Lord. That's how we know the story. Amazing. The peace of God versus our circumstances. Jesus himself, the Prince of Peace, didn't just have peace in front of the, the most powerful man in the world. He confronted the most powerful empire of his time and totally upset them and they didn't know what to do with him. Daniel in the lion's den. Caleb and Joshua spying out the promised land. All of these men who had peace in their hearts remind us that we're campers here on earth. This home is temporary. And all of these discomforts, they're temporary. Because my home is there. See, the right perspective of God allows us to dream immortal dreams and to think the long thoughts of eternity. Point number three. Receive. The peace of God is given to us. John 14, Jesus speaking, he says, we read this already, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Speaking to believers here, speaking to you and I if you're a Christian. In 2 Thessalonians, it says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. At all times. See, our peace, the peace of the Lord that God gives us is not meant for only when circumstances are going well. It's at all times in every way. Whereas the Oxford Dictionary says, peace is the absence of external. Only when those circumstances are sorted out, then we have peace. The peace of God that reigns in our hearts. Last week, Lisa spoke about the Commodore 64. I had to go and Google it. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> and she told the story of as a young girl growing up where her parents had this present under the Christmas tree, big box, and her and her siblings were hoping that it would be the Commodore 64. And it turned out to be a pair of Wellington gumboots. And the initial disappointment, perhaps, when they opened the box and saw it was just a pair of gumboots, but she went on to say that actually her parents knew best and they had so much fun in those gumboots. I want to say when something is being given to us, we don't have the right to say what that is. When God is giving us peace, we don't have the right to say, God, I'll take your peace in this situation. But in that thing, Terry, why don't you stand for a moment? I want to use a quick demonstration. Here's a box. Oh, will you hold that box for me? 
that box represents all of your troubles in this world. Everything that you have, your troubles, your worries, everything that you have. And this gift bag is something from the Lord. This is what the Lord wants to give you. The problem is, it's very difficult to receive what the Lord wants to give you while you still have all of your troubles and you're carrying those. So in order for you to receive what the Lord wants, I'm going to ask you, put your troubles down, put them aside, and then you can receive what the Lord has. Thanks, Terry. Simple demonstration. But sometimes it requires us as believers to say, you know what, for a moment, for some period of time, I'm going to put all my junk aside and I'm going to say, Lord, what is it that you've got for me? I've heard it preached in this church before of our lives being like a house with many different rooms. And we're like, Lord, you can come in this room. Lord, you can come in this room. And Lord, you can come in this room. But this room, Lord, and I know what that's like. I've been there. I don't want to open that door to the Lord. I feel this morning the Lord is challenging us and saying, hey, would you open that door that my peace may come in in all areas, in all times? I feel this morning that the enemy has trapped some believers with a snare that it's very easy to become ensnared in, and that is the snare of commotion, of hustle and bustle, of busyness, just so busy. And sometimes that snare initially can actually feel good. It feels like I'm being productive. I'm being efficient. But if we stay in that place for too long, we begin to feel restless. And if we stay in there a little longer, we begin to notice that our peace is missing. This morning, I believe the Prince of Peace would like to give you peace. So as you bring this into land, I would like to pray. May I pray for three groups of people? Thanks. I'd like to pray for people who would like to receive the Father's peace so that they may hear what He's saying. Perhaps you're sitting here this morning going, I have no idea what the Lord is saying to me, what He's wanting from me. I want to pray that the peace of Christ would reign in your hearts that the Spirit would descend on you like a dove, that you might hear the Father in heaven's voice. I want to pray for a group of people here this morning who perhaps need a change of perspective, that perhaps have become so caught up in the temporary, we've lost sight of the eternal. That perhaps we've been camping for so long, we forgot that we actually have another home. And then lastly, I want to pray for Perhaps someone who's never met the Prince of Peace and never known what it is to have God's peace, haven't given their lives to Jesus. I want to pray for those three groups of people. So can I ask us to stand as we pray? Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, down to earth for us. Thank you that you revealed yourself to us. We couldn't find you. If we searched for a million years, you chose to reveal yourself to us. 
And Lord, I pray this morning for your sons and daughters in this room who are struggling to hear, who've been crying out and desperate to hear what it is that you're saying to them. Lord, I pray for peace. I pray, Lord, where the, the hustle and bustle and the busyness and the commotion of life has made it hear, hard to hear that still small voice of yours. Lord, I pray for your peace that surpasses understanding, that it would reign in God their hearts and minds, that they may hear you, the Father, in heaven, that they may know you, the Father, in heaven, in new ways. Lord, I pray for your sons and daughters this morning, for those of us who've lost sight of eternity, who've forgotten that we're just camping, we're just here for a little bit, and then we're going home. Oh Lord, would you give us peace in our hearts that would change our perspective, that we would be those, Lord, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not with arrogance, not with aggression, with a firm conviction of peace in our hearts and say we will not worship the golden idols of this world. That Lord, you've called us home. You're calling us home. You've given us, creating, making for us a home in heaven. And Lord, we want to live for that home. Help us, Lord. Show us, Lord the areas where we've made this earth home. Where we've made the things of this world the focus, the center point. Where we've focused on the troubles, where we've complained about the worries of this world. Thank you, Lord, that you call us above that with your peace. And Lord, I pray, if there's anyone here this morning who's never met the Prince of Peace, Father, would you send your Spirit and reveal your Son to them right now? 